0: episode 52 I think does it really matter at this point let's just double check before we go any further podcast app you should all, be, you should all have this on your phones whether it be an iPhone, an Android whether it be a band, Huawei Huh? Eh? the bastards bringing in 5G whatever it may be make sure you go to uh, whoever it is you get a podcast I get mine through the podcast app on my iPhone. And uh, the Scott Gibson Show is there. It's, it's 52. It's 52. Um, so I hope you're all subscribed. You're checking your rascal's episode 52 of the Scott Gibson Show. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. I hope you are safe and well. Wherever this podcast may find you. Uh, e- each week that goes by. Since we speak on the council episodes. More insanity. Ensues from the current. Uh, I was going to say administration, but we are not Americana. Hell no, hell no. We are good old Scottish. Uh, if you speak Swahili, uh, Scottish. If you speak English, um, the government, the government continues to go mad and go insane. It feels as if they're trying to find out. One. I'm actually thinking about a sketch that was on. I don't know what it was called. Um David Mitchell and the other guy for Peep Show, I think had a sketch show, am I right in saying that? Anyway, a sketch I can remember with David Mitchell on it is when they're talking about the uh the fucking toothbrush company. Companies that make toothbrushes. And in the sketch they're they're saying what else could we get people to do? Could we get them to brush their tongue? and they try and create up something about how bacteria lives in your tongue, you should be brushing your tongue, and then they laugh that they're actually getting people to brush their tongue. I feel as if that is currently how the government has been ran. The the Tories, um, we, we are stuck in a Mitchell and Webb uh, type sketch show, which isn't particularly funny. It's more clever than it is funny, and at the end of the day, it's made a a laugh, and it isn't it. Um, every single day when the when the Sky News pings up on the phone, I, I chuckle to myself at what comedy gold will ensue from it. Uh, that's twice you said ensue in the first two minutes. What the fuck's going on? And again today, no different. Uh, it now appears as if the government's agenda is to push scientific findings, although we never actually get to see the findings or understand any more about the findings other than being told a uh, scientific, mate. You wouldn't understand it. But actually, the vast majority of the population are quite intelligent people, very engaged in the subject. We understand the knowledge that you're sharing with us. A lot of us are scientists ourselves. I have a scientific background, engineering backgrounds, medical backgrounds. We can't take on the information. If anything, we would rather be swamped with official information from the government rather than trying to piece things together and make up our own agenda. So by all means, you know, give us that finding. Ah, oh, well, it's scientific, mate, so, you know, I wouldn't want to tell you stuff and all that and then you don't get it and that, I mean, because we use pure science, say words and all that, did science, talk and everything, so, can I really tell you? No, by all means, share us. Please tell us this knowledge that you have. Show us you're working. Fuck's sake, Melon school! You know? If you don't know the answers, kids, make sure you show you're working because you get an extra mark for your working. Did anybody ever check? Did anybody know? Does anybody know if we ever got marks for our working? Was any maverick, you know, brave enough? Did any young renegade, were they socially aware to understand that they came from money? So it didn't matter if they passed high school exams university exams daddy and his pals would sort them out for life was there any young maverick that went in the exam with that knowledge and went Do you know what i'm not answering a fucking question i'm just going to show my working for every answer and if their logic's right i'll still fucking pass is there any maverick out there that done that So the, the, the scientific findings that through today uh, were, uh, in fact, that the, uh, the science bastards, whoever the fuck they may be, apparently are now telling us that when you contract the virus uh, and you develop antibodies in the hope that there would be this, as they describe it, a herd mentality, and that there are a group of people who either, first of all, cannot contract it. A group of people who have contracted it but shown no symptoms and a group of people who have contracted the virus, have suffered from the virus, have survived the virus and now have the antibodies which means they cannot then get the virus again. They have shown through their scientific findings that this is now false and you can in fact contract it again and again and again it could even be worse. So what's happening now is Seems to me, in the old layman's terms is, they haven't got a fucking clue what they're talking about. But instead of just coming out and saying, we don't know fuck all. We struggle on in blind hope that a vaccine will be found. My my my, uh, my concern just now with the vaccine, vaccine, something's going to be called a Wayne vaccine soon. Vaccine! Vaccine, where's your brother Wuhan? <laughs> My concern now with the vaccine is that how can they be working on a vaccine for a virus they fully don't understand? For a for a virus they still fully don't understand. You know, we we we. It feels as if we just continually walked in a, a blind tunnel. And I hope that something's good. And as I sit and record this, this podcast, we are, I believe, a mere one week away from the US election as well. So the, the Mayans may have been out by a few years, but the, the end of the world is nigh. Global pandemics, Chinese death flows, possibly another four years of Trump. From what I can get from the American news channels and uh, what I read in, in the British press, and, uh, it does feel as if... It does feel as if Trump is, um, is going to get back in. I think he's going to get back in down our Um which is mental. Which is mental, to say the least. But... Who knows? I mean, who It feels as if... Um, Going to Trump very quickly. It does feel as if America has not learned from its mistakes four years ago. You know this the, this whole idea that the the vast majority of people in America are liberal, left leaning idiots, basically, or the opposite of that that they're far right, gun toting maniacs. When, when the truth of it is, I imagine, they're, they're probably, a lot of them are probably more centrist than, than what either party's been made out. And I suppose, in a way, like the, the UK elections in England, if given the choice of, maybe not extreme left, but left-leaning versus right-leaning politics, those who are central... Will probably more likely take a step towards the right than they will towards the left. I listened to a a, a few Christ or we or Balan Wires. Out. I listened to a a few podcasts from um, a couple of American comics, and uh, one of them is a is a is not a Trump supporter, but he is a Republican. So his his vote lies with whoever the. Uh, whoever the Republican representative is and in this case it's, it's Trump uh, and the other the other two that I listened to I, I'm pretty sure from what I can gauge from the way that they've spoken about it is that they are Democrats but with the increase in tax that's coming in certain states, it basically all boils down to money it basically all boils down to money it is, it's that kind of mindset of looking out for themselves and we all have that we all have it um, and sadly the situation we find ourselves in with Covid as it has extended throughout this year it does now feel as if we are cementing that fact of it's every man for himself you know I mean even this country now and we'll talk about these I mean the fact that even the press is given it a title as holiday hunger is a fucking absolute disgrace but at the start of the year it did feel as if well, the start of COVID, you know, we'll come out of this better people and everybody's going to be dead happy and we'll we'll be growing our own fruit and veg and giving each other cuddles in the streets. And now we're in the end of October, almost in November, and it feels as if we are taking that big step back again to batting down the hatches, every man for himself, you know, look after me, you can fuck off. So with COVID, with lockdown... American election coming up, which some people would argue has nothing to do with us, but if you understand the way political systems work, it's it's a huge impact on us, especially us coming out of Europe, we've got that to look forward to in the 1st of January, I hope you've seen the adverts now that we all enjoy. Understand it? Good, Now fuck off. That's the, the Tories stance towards Europe. We're coming out of Europe on the 1st of January, do you understand the rules? Good, Now fuck off. Give us back our fish. Maybe that is how, maybe that is how we deal with Brexit. That That's probably the, the. listen, I have said this, I believe, almost on every single episode that I record. If not every single one, 70% of them. The only way to solve any conflict Argument, difference of opinion is with, say it with me now, extreme violence. That is correct, extreme violence. There's, there's no point in sitting down having debates. There's no point in having, what do you think, Europe? This is what we think. The only way to solve any issue, extreme violence. That's even how you solve COVID, extreme violence. You get your best attack force, you go to Wuhan. You get into that fucking factory and you go, right lads, what's in the virus? the Heed, talk to me. Same way with Europe, with the EU. A lot has come down to fish. Never knew fish was that important. Apparently the Spanish are bastards. They're in our waters. It's all kicking up. Ramming boats, setting our flares. You may have seen that hilarity ensuing. It's the third time I've said that. Am I broken? The old Spanish fishing boats, taking a run at the tugs. Who the fuck do they think they are? I'll fire them in the beaches. we will fire them in the air. You need to get ten of your hardest Spanish deckhands. I said deckhands. Right? Get in Brussels and you get a couple of boys of Peter Heed representing UK fishing and it's a fight to the death. And then when it's done you get rid of the dead Spaniards because the boys for Peter Heed I'll fucking knock your pan in. And then that's it, Europe is over, you know? Nonetheless, no deal, Brexit. You then turn into the boys in Peter Heed, who are now the elected officials of uh, Independent People's Republic of the United Kingdom. You say, lads, what does he want? And they go, heroin and haddock. And that's it. That's how you deal with Brexit. Nonetheless, we're we're leaving on January the first. Ah, uh, with No Deal, prepare yourself. Prepare for No Deal. Prepare for No Deal. Prepare for No Deal. How do you how do you prepare for No Deal? Cover yourself in coconut butter. I don't know. Eh? What do you need for No Deal? A sharp pencil, two litres of egg whites, and coconut butter. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's the shit they should put in the advert. Just nonsense. This is a message from Her Majesty's Revenue and Custom. As you may know, we are leaving Europe on January the 1st, 2021. You must now, as a business owner, small business owner, independent international conglomerate, now prepare for an ordeal Brexit. You will need as follows. One sharp HB pencil, 14 egg whites, a labradoodle and a shotgun. Meet us by the docks on January the 1st. Understood? Good. End transmission. That's how you deal with Brexit. Ten of your maddest, inbred, slightly retarded, residents of Peterhead. You send them to Brussels. And you say to Europe, pick ten. Pick fucking ten for anywhere you want. Could be Chernobyl babies for a week here. Don't give a fuck. Pick ten of them. In an octagon... Peterhead versus Europe. Whoever wins, gets to decide. And when that last severed head is held aloft by the boys of Peterhead, <laughs> the chants, ha Heroin, Haddock, Heroin. The people have spoken. All fish is now controlled by Peterhead heroin is legalised we have spoken you've got to ask yourself how do we go from talking about vaccines to talking about antibodies to Trump to Peterhead bandits legalising haddock and heroin I do not know I do not know but we press record we read the first line in the notes and we allow ourselves to ramble and ramble we have So welcome to episode 52. Let me say uh, off the bat, huge, massive, and I know I say this all the time, but I generally mean it, huge, huge, huge shout-out, thank-yous, everything else, to uh, all the legends who have joined the the Patreon. Cannot thank-yous enough, Uh, those of you who join me for... The first live show uh, on on Saturday just gone there. It was uh, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't fun leading up to it. I was stressed at my little dial, uh, but it was fun. So thank you to everybody who joined me. Um, briefly, we'll, we'll chat about it. We've got a few questions as well. Uh, Mick Whitworth, charity um, Mick, who got in touch on Patreon, and asked how I felt it went, and also to Amy on Instagram, who asked the same question. Um, so it's the first time I've done a live comedy gig online. Um, up to that point, I had avoided it. Um, it just never, it never felt as though it would. It sits right with me. I, I, any that I've watched, I'm going to be honest. Any that I've watched, I've uh, I've not enjoyed them. No, I don't know. I do know it's it's been a mix because the ones who have watched that, that some friends have done. ...in the past... ...now I'm talking months and months ago, right... ...like maybe May, June time... ...right... ...when when the first kind of talk of these virtual gigs was coming out... ...because a lot of the fucking arsehole bandit... ...scumbag promoters were starting to struggle... ...so they were flinging people a fiver... ...in the hope that they could sell tickets online, right... Uh, ...because even when a ship's gone down... ...somehow in this country the rats find a way to survive... So the ones that I'd watched were so so badly done, in quality-wise, I mean, that that just that just stuck with me straight away. I'm going, they just look awful, they just look terrible. Uh, and the other side was, because it's not really a, a, a comedy environment, I felt as if I'd, I'd watched two people. One who's a kind of, I suppose you would describe as a clown act. Not that they dress up as a clown, but it's more like physical stuff and, uh, another friend is kind of, just a, a joke teller, just kind of set up, punchly, set up, punchly, and I watched them do a set on, on this bill, and, uh, they, they physically looked in pain doing it, you know, so, um, I was, I was very nervous about doing it, I was sceptical about doing it, but because we have gone on so long, and we've had another two shows pushed back date-wise, um, I thought now's the time to do it, and, and, it went, let's just say it went a lot better than I thought it was going to go. Um, looked g- good enough from what we, can, what we can work with in the space. Um, I don't know how you felt, you guys watching it at home, how did it look to you? Um, I suppose the concern is sounds all right. Uh, it's not like doing the podcast, so if you watch the videos, you know I usually do podcasts with the headphones on so I, I can hear, uh, just to listen to the levels and hear kind of what's going what's going out so I kind of hear my own voice and uh, I kind of like it that way if I'm doing a gig like if I'm doing my own show tour show you'll have a, a kickback so there's a little bit of um, you know you can hear kind of the levels and you can hear what's been said Um, but doing the live gig you've got to just kind of set the levels at the start put the mic in the stand, hope that everything works fine and you can really hear what's been said there's certainly no response and I think the, the, the no response was the hardest thing to kind of get any, and I I certainly felt as though for the first 10-15 minutes, I wasn't very comfortable, and then I kind of settled in a wee bit, Um, the hardest bit about it is doing new stuff, that's the hardest bit about it, because the old stuff, you know that it works, and even in a normal gig environment, even if you get occasions where, you do a bit of material and it struggles, or it dies in its arse, and and you bomb, you will have done that material enough or it's worked enough in the past that you know on that night it just didn't work. For whatever reason, your energy may have been off, they may not have liked you, there may have been something else you said that didn't go down well. For whatever reason, it hasn't worked, but you know it works in the past. However, when you're doing new material to a camera with no audience and no response, it's very daunting because there's always the sense of just pull the plug on it. You know, but I think it's just changing the mindset. I don't know if I mentioned this on the night. Changing the mindset to think more of almost effectively like a live podcast. Um, you know, like I, 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 do the podcast. Obviously, I, I, I sit and I talk for an hour plus, and you hope some things you say are funny, but it, it it's never. I don't set out with the intention of being funny i start out with intention of just talking about things talking about ideas topics subjects whatever and sometimes a line will come off or you go down a wee avenue it's a bit funny Um so it's maybe just changing the mindset into that to think more of tell a story talk about something uh in the hope that the laughter will will you know come from the audience kind of i don't know it's it's very it's very odd it's very odd it's effectively learning a craft learning a skill set for years one way and then completely turning on it its head and then going right and going to learn it that way. You know? So it's odd. But I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. And uh we're definitely gonna do them again. So I think we'll do one again at the end of November. Um and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Give me some time to kinda of think about maybe restructuring some stories. Maybe definitely writing some new stuff. Um, but also writing stuff in the process of, not reading it, because I won't stand with notes, but, but almost writing as a story, rather than writing a story for stand-up, if that makes sense, so just now, like for example, I'm in the process of taking the the shows, the four shows that I've got, and transcribing them into the, in the text, and I want to put them into a book, so I want to take the four shows and write write them as a, a a story, a single story, beginning to end, um, as I do with the process when I'm writing the stand up shows. But I've learned or I've realised very quickly I cannot just take the shows word for word because they they are written as a story but performed as stand up. So I then can't take the stand up performance and write it as. A, a story to read because they're not going through so I, I need to maybe start thinking about writing stand-up or writing comedy stories that can be read as comedy stories and recited as a comedy story rather than performed as stand-up does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense or not but I know what I'm trying to do in my head I just don't know how to tell you in words <laughs> but Amy and Mick thank you for asking um there's the page, man. Th- thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um it was good to feel like you were you were gigging in. And the other good thing as well is that um the the process worked quite well on Patreon. It seemed to have no problems whatsoever. It's the first time that I've ever done a live stream through Patreon. Um and there was no issues whatsoever with it. Um so that that seemed to be quite good as well. Um so I was pleased that that, that went well. So um Aye, but we'll definitely do more. Um, now, if you are listening to this and you're you're not sure really what I'm talking about because you're not on the Patreon or you didn't get to see the gig, then um, basically, you know, sign up. It's the best way to support uh, support the show and support me. You get access to a whole load of stuff. Um, you get an extra episode every single week. Or the comedy albums are up there, blah, blah, blah. blah. There's over 40 hours of extra podcasts and a live uh, stand up show that I did last Saturday is also now available to watch back and it's only available on the Patreons. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Go to the website, follow the links on there, um, or go into the bio and Instagram. And uh, you can you can get the links to the Patreon there. You can sign up for as little as five dollars. It's worth four pounds a month. Um, you know, a pound a week pennies man absolutely I mean, what else what other enjoyment can you get for a pound a week see when i think about it like that i'm fucking i'm no charger enough man a pound a week what sake? um so yeah sign up to that pound a week and uh you can get access to all the goodies on the panthron and you can get to check out the the live comedy shows as well so i i, I do feel as if they're going to become a permanent feature of the patreon um I think it's the think it's a good way to, to keep material ticking over, to engage. And uh it seemed to have gone well. Everyone who watched it seemed to enjoy it. Um so we'll 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 keep them going. Um and as I've said before, Patreons is gonna be the place now where all the content, you know, all the uh all the creative stuff is gonna be driven there. There's no point in spreading it out everywhere. Keep it in one place, uh so if you are part of it, you get access to everything. And um yeah, I think the next thing we need to look about doing is bringing the quiz on there as well. So that we get it all under one banner and one, one streamline. But the the gig went well. I was pleased with it. A couple of things I want to change. Um a few things I would like to do differently. Uh I've got some ideas of maybe try to turn it into more like a kind of T V show kind of vibe. Um but again, find our feet wet, get get it under the table and then we'll We'll play on with it, but um yes. Once again, huge thank you to everybody who watched and who joined in, and also to everybody who sent a message after it. Very much appreciated. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you all tuned in, and uh, I'm glad it went relatively, relatively well. Uh, so to Mick and Amy, thanks so much for your question, guys. And again, if you want to watch that show, it's about an hour and ten minutes long. Um, and you want to access all the other stuff. And you want to support the podcast as well, because I hope you do. Uh, like I said, $5, it's about four quid, a pound a week. It's absolutely pennies. And uh, hey, it gives you a warm feeling inside, because believe me, you're supporting a struggling artist. <laughs> so go to patreon.com forward slash Gibson and join the Patreon if you have not already. You will not be disappointed. when we are at a time when we are constantly every day bombarded with, with news of, of doom and gloom um, we remain locked down every day it feels as if another tear has been added to the uh, the sanction system businesses have been closed people are losing their jobs people's livelihoods are on stake relationships are, are, are crumbling We are in desperate need for a single ray of sunshine at the end of this dark, dark tunnel. And just when you feel you cannot go on any longer, an angel is sent with news of hope and hope, ladies and gentlemen, we have received because it looks as if after everything that's going on in the world, Woolworths is coming back. That's right. I did not stutter. I did not make that up. Ladies and gentlemen, as I understand it, Woolworths looks set to return to the UK high streets. If, if ever a good news story can pick us all up, It's well worth coming back. Because there has been a number of occasions over the last seven months, however long it's been, a fucking time doesn't exist anymore. Even at the weekend, remember the clocks go back. Who cares? What does it matter? Time is no no real anymore. We're we're living in a suspended bubble of despair. But there's been many occasions, too many to count, where I've turned... To my better half, and I have said, if only, if only I could get to a high street shop and fill my hands and pockets with low quality picking mix, would this pandemic be bearable? Well, now, that may be an option for us. Um, Will Wurst. From what, I mean, and I'm sure we've all got memories of Wilbur's, right? How, and I'm going to be honest, how Wilbur's survived as long as it did, I do not know. Now, I was not alive when Wilbur's was in its heyday. I came along to enjoy the glory years of Wilbur's and then move towards the end, you know? But if your business is built on pick and mix, ten of Dulux paint and panini stickers, how long were you truly going to survive? There, there may be people listening to this, which is disgusting to think, but there may be people listening to this who have no idea what Wilbur says. No idea what a Wilbur's is. Allow me to educate your small minds. Imagine a W.H. Smith. New ad in a picking mix. There's Woolworths. Okay? It had every magazine under the sun. Every magazine you could imagine. It had picking mix to the eyes, to the floor, to the ceiling. Picking mix. Tins of paint, rollers, other stuff. I never ventured that far into the shop. Some toys. Yes, toys. Any, Any advert that you see in the TV, right? And it's like a fly swat, a shotgun, and a pumice stone, all in one, right? Anything that's made by GML was sold in Woolworths. I don't know if... They were in cahoots, in partnership, but all these adverts you see in the telly, do you want to keep the sun out? Well, now you can, with this blackout fucking wardrobe. It's a wardrobe that fits into your windows, and it also blacks out the sun, because who wants vitamin D? Bring on the rickets, available now at Woolworths. That's the kind of shit they would sell. And for years, for years, their business plan was, get people in, let them buy a magazine, and steal some sweeties. It keeps the economy turning, you know? And you may be saying, how did they survive with people only buying a newspaper or a magazine? Because if every person on the fucking planet is buying a newspaper for you, you're making money. If there was a world wars in every street in this great country, wiped it, wiped it. By online. Online picking mix. You know? online picking and mix, decimated Woolworths, people no buying newspapers anymore, tins of Dulux, heightened security systems, yeah, but now, now the great institution of Woolworths, is potentially, so it's teasing us, potentially making a return, 12 years, the article reads, after the store in administration, 12 years man, Think how simple life was 12 years ago. Woolworths could be making a shock return to the UK high streets. Known for its huge choice of children's toys and games, six-year-old me would be overjoyed at the news of the of its return, says the author of the article, not I. The news was announced by a Twitter account uh, purporting, reporting to be uh, Woolworths UK Today and um, on October 27th, the tweet read, Here to save 2020. Woolworths is coming back to your high street as a physical store. A couple of legal things to get sorted, but we are full steam ahead at Woolworths HQ. Wow. The account also announced that Woolworths will be opening three new trial stores in late 2021. The article goes on to say Woolworths HQ explained. So we are popular. Our trial stores will open in 2021. Very own the online. Very own the online Woolworths. So we will be retail only. I don't know who's been responsible for writing these tweets, but they are sniffing glue. Before we launch, we have a few legal contracts to sign, but we're super excited. Following announcement, people took to social media to share their memories of the store. One person wrote, don't screw this up, you need authentic Woolworths pick and mix exactly how it used to be. I mean, it is just pick and mix, right? But there was something magical as a kid when you'd walk in, and obviously everything feels bigger, and it felt as if the whole shop was just pick and mix. And you're like, in the name of God, Gran, how much pick and mix can I get? And your Gran would go, whatever you want, son. hey would like, oh my fucking days. someone else said uh, I would like to see the stores come back without any changes from before well obviously they need to make changes because they fucking went into administration any changes before apart from music etc as its formats got out of date Woolworths was the only place that sold things you couldn't get anywhere else and I would like to see that again another Twitter user shared a picture of what a typical Woolworths store looked like in the 90s and I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling a little bit nostalgic it was, it, it, oddly it was, Woolworths was a, a was a great store, it really was, you know, but it, it it really just catered to the kind of basic things, it was almost like a corner sh- it was like a WH Smith and a, an HMV kind of mashed in together, you know, you went there to buy like, and this will sound daft, but you used to buy singles when, when the music industry was alive and people bought music. You would go in there and buy, I can remember buying CD singles, you know? And you, every suite you can imagine, you would get toys, like my grandparents would take us in, you get a toy at a Woolworths. But with everything that's less, people people get nostalgic and they go, oh, I, I honestly, they used to sell stuff you couldn't get anywhere else. Well, now you can. It's called Amazon. Anything you can think of, the fuckers have got it. And if you'd search something on Amazon that comes up zero, it pings off a wee message to Jeff Boys. he's straight on the phone to Wuhan, he's like, Get a fucking Waynes woke up, get the factory going. we need to get this shite made. And if Woolworths does come back, do you know how you keep it? You fucking buy shit in it. I bet Woolworths will reopen it and not a cunt will go near it. Or they'll walk in and will go, How much are pick and mix? Get yourself to the fuck, you bastard. You're never going to get any more expensive pick and mix in a showcase cinema, right? It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. You know? A couple of occasions I've, I've taken nieces to cinemas. You're taking a small business loan in order to get a, can we get a pick and mix In the name of God! Loading in the big snakes. Well, there's 18 quid. Fuck me! Much is the bag! Maybe Woolworths need to have some kind of conjunction, you know. Maybe they should open up next to cinemas. Maybe that could be the thing. Get your pick and mix in Woolworths, get into the cinema. It does feel as if the the security systems around bringing your own food into a cinema has relaxed over the years. When I was young, um, I can vividly remember my grandpa taking us to the cinema quite a lot and my grandmother, um, in her, her thriftness, or, or it was the Irish, you know, you you, you, you weren't allowed, I mean, you, the thought, the very thought of being able to purchase condiments, sweeties, drinks in the cinema. Do you think we're fucking made of money? You, you took, you took the stuff, with you? You know? I see, I see Wayne's nowadays, I say it all the t- I mean I must fucking annoy my missus, I mean I do annoy her but any time I'm at the cinema and I see somebody, a mother, a father and they've got two or three wins I, I just think, fuck! I must have won the lottery. That must be about a hundred quid, he spunked on taking these four arseholes to the cinema. They've got hot dogs, they've got bags of sweeties, they've got juice. You would never have dreamed that. You as a young person you used to walk past the confectionery counter and you'd stare into that, you know, vat of popcorn. And you'd be like, one day, one day I'm going to get a job. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to save up my money and I'm going to come in here and buy one large bucket of popcorn. And then I will feel like I, I've achieved something in life. So what happened is you would got your granny before you would set off to the cinema, she'd, she'd open up your jacket and she'd fucking load you up with, with sweeties. She used to put packets of crisps in your sleeves. Right? This isn't my grandun, because she was convinced that the the security man at the cinema would search your pockets for contraband. Like, it's a fucking SS camp. (laughs) Stop! What film are you going to see? Aladdin, big man, we're going to see Aladdin. Empty your pockets. To the ovens! He has a packet of palm bears. To the ovens! (laughs) She used to put... Packets of crisp in the sleeves of your, your jacket. And then if you'd an inside pocket, you got like uh, some sweeties in there, but it was always rolls of sweeties, so it was easy to store, right? Maybe her logic was if it poked at the jacket, they'd think it was a pen, right? Whereas if you'd a packet of sweets, oh, the fucking dice, get a pack of sweets on it, man. Get them in the oven. So what me and my brother used to do is, when you were queuing up to go in, you would go to that and like, fuck the arms of my brother's jacket and try and pop his crisps, you know? <laughs> so you'd be standing in a queue, you just hear, bang! And then a child crying is fucking the remains of a packet of quavers dribbles out his sleeve. Do you have contraband on you? I used to always think, that, I used to find that funny and go, you can't bring your own food into the cinema, It's if some fucker's turning up with like, a barbecue. Up the back, getting some burgers and some ribs going. So I used to used to sneak food in, and then all that would happen is you would try and find a part in the film at the start where you could all open up your can of ginger because <laughs> you are too scared. You, like I, I don't know if it was a. I often think is that a social. I don't know. Like obviously, I know know you can't hit kids, right? Which is a fucking joke. I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should hit children, but the fear of being physically harmed should be there, right? I wasn't—I ne- was never hit. You were hit a bit when you were older, right? You could take a slap, but you—you had that—you had that, that fear, had that worry that you were going to get any bother. You know, in that <laughs> thing with the cinema, you always thought you'll see if that guy catches you with a packet of Quavers, man, he'll fucking break your legs. By the way, see, Paul, Paul's cousin. Fucking chopped his horn off, man. Pure Saudi style. Bosh. He, he was getting to see a little mermaid. He's like, open your jacket, you cunt. Popped it open, pack it a rollos. He's like, give me that horn. Fucking chopped the cunt's horn off, man. Don't get caught. <laughs> there used to be a genuine fear. Whereas new wains will just walk in, fucking full kebab. It's not giving a fuck. How did you buy that here? Do you sell kebabs? you asking stupid questions for your cunt. No, no care whereas we'd go in fucking Mission Impossible still descending for the roof packet of fruit pastels so everybody used to wait for like a, a loud bit so you could open your can and all that would happen is you'd get frustrated so you would just, right at the start of the movie you would just hear like fucking 200 cans hundreds of cans opening do we sell cans of lager market? no we do not, the bastards have stuck it in You even get cinemas now that sell booze. What the fuck's going on? Cinemas that sell booze? I can remember the first time going to the big cinema world in Glasgow when it opened, right? And we felt we were all American. There's fucking 14 floors in this thing. It's fucking massive, man. It feels like we're in Hollywood. Hollywood! Going up to that first floor and there was a bar. I remember being with my mates and there was a bar and we went, there's a fucking bar in the cinema. Sitting up and it felt weird. It felt like you were going to get into trouble. Sitting, pure sipping a pint going, I can't believe I'm drinking a pint in the cinema. Who's driving? He's Who a fuck. <laughs> <sighs> oh, how do we get to talk about the cinema? Fuck knows. was. Anyway, it's coming back, man. was is coming back. So uh, get in there, support it, have some fruit and mix and a, a, a copy of Heat Magazine. And why not check out the uh, the hit parade and buy yourself a, a single from the uh, the top forty charts? Get a well was. How long will it last? How long will it last? Let's look at some other list of questions that we've got on the old uh, Patreon. Uh, Barry has asked uh, a classic um, childhood crush from TV or film mine was jet from gladiators Barry says Barry I don't know how old you are sir um, I think that there is a a huge population a huge part of the population um, who were, were, were becoming young men at the same time when gladiators first aired on British TV. And I think up to that point, um, I may be wrong, I probably was wrong, but I cannot think of uh, another occasion um, when a young lady would have had such an impact on so many young men's hearts as Jet from Gladiators. Um, I think we'll all agree it was a programme we felt we could watch with our parents. And, uh, you know, Gladiators! And it came on the telly and you're like, oh, this is brilliant, man. There's... there's women gladiators and men gladiators and this looks dead fun I stick it on and then it went uh, it was uh, the, the what was it called the o- the overhang the one with the, the rings the rings it, it, and then then you got to realise that, that that was Jet's event was the rings you know because the thing is you never got you didn't always get the same events in every episode you know so you'd be sitting waiting for it going like please come on John See rings, see rings. And then we go, next up, the overhead rings. You'd be like, you fucking dancer. The worst times when it would go to the overhead rings and there would be another one there, no jet. And you'd be like, who the fuck's this tart get to? Fuck. I think we all remember Jet the first time when she came on and we did that, that overhead kind of splits kick thing and you go, then my god, I didn't know women could do that. Fuck me. Jet, yes. Everyone's everyone's favorite up there top ten. Oddly for me, and I don't know. Again, I don't know how. I don't know where it came from. Uh, Kylie Minogue, you know, not ashamed to admit it. Uh, she's not aged uh, since I fancied her back then, but I was obsessed with Kylie Minogue. Obsessed. Um, I think my mother may have been concerned at one point for my sexuality when I when I said I was in love with Kylie Minogue. She thought it may have been a musical thing, although I think we can all agree "Tears on My Pillow" is a banger. Uh, but no, something about something about Kylie, the pocket rocket. I remember having posters; I had posters in the wall. I had uh, I had one of her, and it was huge, massive poster. Uh, and a pair of suspenders straddling a rocket. Not health and safety; obviously, were off that day. Uh, but for Kylie Minogue for me, big man. Yourself, Barry, please do get in touch. It's odd when you think back. Kylie Minogue is still the, the strange one because she generally has not aged since then. And I'm talking a young teenager. So you're, you're talking, what, 18 years? And she literally has not aged. Is she the devil? I do not know. Is she having tiger blood? I don't know. But the woman's no aged. But when I was wee... When I was a young warthog, Kylie Minogue, mate, that was the first, that was the first, I would have, I would have fucking ran through a brick wall for the woman. Kylie Minogue, man. Where is that poster now? In a landfill probably, in a landfill. But, eh, uh, took pride of place on my wall. Pride of place. Uh, Bobby Curry uh, has asked, uh, if push came to shove, would you leave Scotland if it meant you could gig again? Um, I'd love to do gigs abroad, mate, but I, I would, eh, uh, I would I would love to I would love to live abroad, um, regardless of work. I think I'll always, even if I was to start to put together some tour dates in Europe, or possibly Canada. Um, the majority of the tour will always be in Scotland. I w- I would like to do. I mean that that's the plan. In the next kind of couple of years is establish a kind of strong, you know, network of venues that I work with just now. Um, but I'd I'd love to do some gigs in Europe, um, some kind of expat gigs, and I'd love to go back out to Canada again and do some gigs out there. Um, but would I move for for work? Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what it is. If I ever got the opportunity to go to the states uh, and work out there, I'd probably make that move. But again, like the what I would class as the tour or the or the, the meat of it would always be in Scotland, um because it's just a natural, it just fits, it's just natural rhythm, your voice, you know, you go full speed, everything, every single intro quirk, it's, you know, the language, it's all, it just all applies. Um, so I've, I've never thought really about moving to another country for work, because I felt if even if I did that, I would still always come back and do the majority of the touring in Scotland. Because that's what I want to do, but I certainly have thought a lot about moving full time, being based somewhere else, and it would be Amsterdam. I mean, it's I would, if 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 things were to happen in the next couple of years, and I could, I could do, it, I would love to live in Amsterdam. Absolutely love it. I think that would be, I think that would be a a little piece of, of life's beautiful tapestry missing that would be filled by. Being based in, in Amsterdam. Um I've said it before, but it really is the best city in the world. And if I could somehow find a way to be out there, um, you know, I think it would be life would be complete in a sense. I would love it, I would absolutely love it. Um it should ever everything that I look for in life exists there. It's all it's like almost finding Narnia. You know, and then coming back out again. But it's like, listen, see, if you want to come back anytime, man, you're welcome back. The way of life, I think, for me, in Amsterdam, it's it's the pace, it's the speed of life that I love. It's the speed of the city. You know, nothing feels. It feels very calm. Oh, it's because everybody's stood at their box, big man. It feels very, very calming. It's a very calming city. I don't know if it's the water that runs through it. You know, you're only a couple of streets away from water. There's something very soothing about a canal, very calming. Unless you're a dead body in it, then there's no very soothing. But there's something very calm about the water, about the people, about the architecture. It, nothing's overpowering. The city doesn't feel big. It's not. It's not bearing down on you. Um, everything's kind of remains at a kind of certain height. Parks everywhere, vast green space, everything's flat, easy to get to, accessible. It's just, it's just the best, it's the best city in the world I absolutely love it, I absolutely love it and if I could, I mean, look at it this way, right, it's a tourist city, okay, so you're going to have that element of tourism there but it seems to do it, it seems to do it better than any other city that I've been in. Um, The closest to it is probably The city I'm in just now, Edinburgh, right? In the sense of Amsterdam keeps its tourism to a very particular part and Edinburgh keeps its tourism to another particular part. That kind of central part in Edinburgh, the castle, the Royal Mile, that is the touristy bit, right? And that's where you keep them, you contain them. The shit pubs are there, the shit cafes, the shit restaurants. It's all in that touristy bit, Right? And Amsterdam does the same. It keeps that in the the central canals, the red light district, the touristy bit, the shitty bit. Keeps it all in there. Not shitty because it's again it's changed even in the time that I've been going, and it is it's not at all what it used to be. But that touristy bit, you would class it. You know the kind of the, the historical Stag and Hen. They they work very hard to contain that. So if you if you fall in love with the city as I did, if you're interested in and you want to learn more, then you you expand your horizon further and you start to realise there's almost an invisible wall where that type of tourist doesn't pass. And if you are the other type of tourist, which is me, you, you begin to blend very easily into the surroundings because you're attracted to that those things that the city offers, which is a very just a very calming, still nature. And I love it, man. I fucking love it. I would... Desperate to live there. And who knows what's around the corner. You know, we never knew. We never even thought for a million years uh, this would happen. What we're currently all living through. So, who knows. But to be there would be amazing. And the comparisons to Edinburgh are similar in that it does have that kind of small villagey feel. um, But against the polar opposite, Amsterdam, nice and flat. Edinburgh, the hilliest city in the hilly of the hills. Ridiculous. But Edinburgh still has that kind of London feel about it where it's very busy, it's very energised, it's very big, it's loud, it's aggressive. And that might not be the sense that a lot of people outside of Edinburgh in Scotland have of the city. They think it's a very soft, very, you know, English place. But But it isn't when you're here. It's very busy, it's very cramped, overcrowded, building everywhere. And it is that idea of, you know, big business, big money, the kind of twat brigade. There is that element of it. And uh, you can brush it off with it. Oh, isn't it so beautiful? And that was built in the 11th century and bloody, bloody, blah, blah. But it doesn't have that stillness, the calmness that Amsterdam has. For me, anyway. For me. So if I had a chance, mate, Bobby, old boy, I'd be out there in that fucking shot. Um. So, yes, mate, that's what I do. Uh, Right, what else we got? Uh, We've got questions from uh, Craig Aitken, Kenny Bridges, uh, and Stevie and uh, Harry Wilson. Uh, Boys, we're going to pick them up in the uh, Patreon episode uh, coming this Friday, but thank you very much indeed for your questions, uh, and we'll get them in the next episode, which is uh, this Friday on Patreon again. If you've not signed up to the Patreon, do it, man. Treat yourself. You deserve it. And you'll be supporting me and supporting the show. Five dollars. It's fuck all patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Uh, or find the links on the social pages. Right, team. Let's finish up this episode with uh again a new story from um, you know, people at the metro. And uh in the name of God, this one is an absolute beauty. Um, there's, there's no easy way to say it, so we'll just get straight in and we'll just show you the headline, and the headline is this. Florida mum earns almost $20,000 selling her breast milk to strangers online. To strangers online. And I think the key to take from that is strangers online. Would it be weirder if she was selling her tip milk to friends and family? Probably yes, but she's from Florida. And if we know anything about that state, we'll know it is the uh, arsenet that contains the craziest of all the Americans. Um, this is a story that came out a couple of weeks ago. I missed it on another podcast uh, and we're finally getting around to do it just now. And let's just jump straight in. The article reads, uh, A simple, Julie Dennis uh, gave birth to a surrogate baby in August 2019. Julie, well done. Well done surrogate mother, you've given a gift to a young family that they were unable to get themselves the gift of a child, well done you. But now it feels as if you've stepped into the world of crazy and you've gone, right, a money daft, I want the old tip milk cash. After the infant turned six months old and no longer needed her breast milk, the 32 year old came up with an entrepreneurial idea selling her breast milk. Put the brakes on, let's take a step back. I... Will put money on it that nobody ever has gone into business gateway and asked for a small business loan to start up selling tit milk feather the rainhouse online. Let's just let's just see what this is. This is weird. This is weird, right? This is she's been at home, she's had a leaky tit. One of her pals has said, How's your tit still leaking? She's like, the Wayne doesn't want milk anymore. I've given it to its new dad." what am I do with this tip milk, and our pals went, fucking sell it online, some weirdo will buy it, the clogs have clicked, Covid's hit, she's selling tit milk online, this isn't entrepreneurial, this isn't somebody sat down and went, there is a gap in the market for tit milk, if there's anybody out there with tits, that make milk, we've got a fucking business idea, for you, why Why is everything spun, to be entrepreneurial, there's somebody on tit milk, uh, entrepreneurial the primary school teacher. Oh why does that make it weirder? Why does it make it weirder because she's a primary school teacher? I don't know. Just does, because she's working with kids. Wayne's Should, sell- Should you be selling? Should you be selling? I suppose you could sell. You can sell anything You want online, can you? I don't know. Is it illegal to sell tap milk? I've no idea. Uh, primary school teacher prices the milk at ninety cents, which is sixty p per ounce, uh, nearly thirty mil. Sixty pence for a thirty mil shot, a tip milk. That's that's six pound a tin. And <laughs> the name of fucking. Maybe I should start selling tip milk. Sixty p an ounce. 30ml in an ounce 330ml in a can that's £6.60 a can of tip milk in the name of god that's up there with fucking IPA <laughs> fucking fan- <laughs> fancy hipster micro brew beer is the same price as fucking tip milk <laughs> somebody's going to catch wind of this and start making tip milk IPA I guarantee you £8.10 before this year's out, tip milk IPA is going to hit the shelves. 60p an ounce. And oh my God. Aimed at other families who are also raising a surrogate baby and parents who do not want to or aren't able to breastfeed. That feels as if that's the official line. But it's you know it's going to be fucking weird Japanese businessmen. You know it is. It's going to be guys dressed up as babies, drinking tip milk, or people who fucking... Throw it over themselves, And again, nothing wrong with that. If you're in your own house and you're not hurting anybody, you want to dress up as a baby and buy tip milk online, it's the finishing piece to the puzzle. You know? Knock yourself out. But don't come on and go, I'm actually marketing this at young mothers who are unable to breastfeed, so I'm selling them breast milk at £6 a 10. And how many mothers do you sell to? None I sell to four Japanese businessmen. Uh, while investing a large part of her life in producing the milk, even calling it a full-time job. Now, what she should have done I said, full tit job. <laughs> uh, others have been critical of Julie for selling it. No worry. Um, naturally, Juliet has to take proper precautions when handling the milk, ensuring she keeps her pumps clean and properly bagged between each... See, this is when it just creeps me out, man. This is when it creeps me out. Now, I don't have any kids. I've never had babies. I've never been around a pregnant woman. I imagine, you know, you, you fucking, you pump, you get some milk and you feed the Dwayne. There's a circle of life there. It's a circle of life. The Dwayne's like, ah, oh, I'm starving. Your mom's like, fucking pump, pump, pump. There's the milk. But now I'm just imagining the poor lassie just sitting at home watching fucking Oprah or Netflix with two pumps and they go smack new, a couple of tins of milk. Oh, I don't know why it keeps me but it does. Uh, It's a lot of work to exclusively pump, uh, but it's a labour of love, Julie says. Uh, She's provided milk for two babies until they turned one. It's a lot of milk. Uh, I wouldn't go into the store and assume I can get free formula, so it baffles me that people expect free breast milk. It has antibodies and it's human milk made for human babies, but it's a lot more expensive than formula. Obviously £6 a tin. Uh, even charging one dollar per ounce, I get paid less than minimum wage once you add up all the time spent on it. <laughs> Even if I charge one pound an ounce, it's less than minimum wage, I've got to have these bangers in the pumps for fucking phone off days. That's not to include replacement of pump parts every six to eight weeks, <laughs> the cost of the bag, the cost of sterilisation, uh, and four different pumps that I use. Four, four, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's read that again. The cost of the... St- That's not to include pump parts, which sounds weird, the cost of the bags, so it comes in bags, the cost of the sterilisation and four different pumps. <laughs> I mean, as as I'm reading that, I've just realised what it is. She's got four pumps because she uses two and cleans two. She's not got four tits, Gibble. Fucking get a grip yourself. I'm going, four pumps? How's she pumping four t- if she get four nipples, double pumping. T- <laughs> no, if you had four nipples, or four 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 tatties, you know. Listen, I would say if you if you're a woman with four tatties, pump away, you know. Two for milk, two for for pleasure. <laughs> oh, we've just stood the dog. Um. Every month, Julie pumps 15,000 ounces, 443 litres. Oh, my God. Every month, Julie pumps 443 litres. That is shocking. She keeps it secure in the freezer, uh, before shipping it all over the country with ice packs. For the first six months or so, I did just use... No. Read that again, Scott. Read the actual words. For the first six months or so, I just used it in addition to my income from work to pay bills and manage my household. The last six months I have just tucked it away into savings for a rainy day fund or a milky day fund. Unfortunately she doesn't get requests from unsavory she does get requests from unsavory customers like men asking for proof that the milk is <laughs> Is is that uh is that an unsavoury request? No, if they're asking for photographic evidence of uh, you know, your your blastical's been pumped. Let's, say, let's just say I'm a woman. I've got a, a, you know, I've adopted a child or a surrogate, and I can't breastfeed. And I go online to buy tip milk. Is it unreasonable for me to ask for proof that it's fucking, it's from a human tit? You need fucking down that back of it, Julie. Uh, they usually, request videos or pictures, which is abso- absolutely unacceptable. Videos or pictures is absolutely unacceptable. However, pumping your four tatas and selling the milk online perfectly acceptable. I have always just blocked people once a request like that is made. You're losing vital revenue streams here, especially if you're spunking out fucking nearly 500 litres a month. Uh, well, considering she's only built a little savings account, Juliet is providing a valuable service for those who need it. There you go. Florida mum doing her bit for the uh, the bambinos across America who need the uh, the banger milk. 433 litres a month absolutely disgusting right team that's that's another episode another week of the podcast Um, subscribe to the show share it uh, give a 5 star review if you're on Apple Podcasts uh, stick in your socials let's grow the numbers um, remember, it's available on all good podcast players. So do subscribe to it and that way you'll get every single episode as soon as it drops into your podcast player and your ear holes, whatever. You can also check out the video episodes of the podcast uh, by joining the Patreon and you can get the extra Patreon only episodes every single Friday. As well as access to all the other special content that goes up. And like I said, the live comedy show that was streamed on Saturday just gone is available to rewatch on the Patreon. Go to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. All the links on the website, on the socials. Do it. Sign up. Support the show. Cause we need your support, goddammit. We need your support. Let's grow the numbers. Um thank you again for listening thank you to everyone who got in touch with a question if you do have questions or topics for the show please do get me in touch but in the meantime stay safe look after yourselves wash your hands and your asshole. and I'll hopefully see you in a battlefield very soon alright guys take care of yourself thanks again for listening onwards